Welcome to Take 10 for Mental Health. We are conversations with inspiring people about how they manage their mental health. My name is Sophia Hatsis. I am the host of the show and I get the privilege of bringing you these conversations every week. We speak to people from all walks of life, like Gotcha for Life founder Gus Wallen. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. I truly believe that vulnerability is a new way to lead. There's stuff that we do that is good. There's stuff that we just don't know what we're doing. It's nothing wrong with being human and explaining that to the people that you love. Episodes drop on Monday, so make sure you're subscribed and you're the first to know when they're available. Welcome to Take 10 for Mental Health. My name is Sophia. I'm the host of the show. And today I am joined by the amazing founder of Peaches. Pilates, Tori Clapham. Tori, how are you? Hi, girl. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. What a bloody introduction. (laughs) I'm super excited to get stuck into the meat and potatoes of what we're talking about today. But first things first, of course, before I get into anything, I just wanted to check in to see how you are. And usually when I ask guests, I ask to give it to me on a scale of one to 10. So if you were to think of your lowest of lows being at the one and the highest of highs being at the 10, where would you say you sit on that scale today? It's pretty high. I reckon I'm at like a nine, um, which is a wonderful um, place to be. I am an eternal optimist and I would say that I'm very, very fortunate to be someone who wakes up with their glass um, more than half full daily. Um, I think that a positive mindset is partly lifestyle and, um, you know, um, taking the right steps to, to protecting your mental health. But I also, like my mum says that she was like, you were just born this way. Like you were just, you were just a happy child. And I, and I do really, the older that I've gotten and the more time that I have spent with friends and family, um, who have had their own battles with mental health, I have realized that just that natural inclination to a positive outlook is a fucking blessing um but also um I'm in a really lovely time in my life this afternoon I'm going away for a girls weekend which I'm very excited about um I'm having my first two nights away from my little baby daughter Isabella who is 15 months old um we're at a really exciting time in our business we're about to launch interstate there's a lot happening um and I'm pregnant so I'm over the moon oh my goodness congratulations oh I feel like I missed that announcement on Instagram did you announce that haven't I haven't put it up yet um I'm 13 weeks on Monday we've had all all the sort of good results have come back um but I'm also like the leakiest person in the world when I'm pregnant because I'm so excited like I would buy a coffee and like almost want to tell the barista like oh by the way I'm pregnant (laughs) just so you know I just I'm one of those people who like I'm just like bursting at the seams um it's it feels like such a privilege for me um so like it's kind of like the worst kept kept secret so we'll probably we'll probably sort of go a bit more public on it next week I figured I'll just tell (laughs) you oh that's beautiful well thank you for sharing that information and congratulations I love that outlook which you have which is to have that super positive Um, or I suppose like your predisposition is to be positive, which is like such an infectious way to be. Yeah. Um, and I guess that leaks into your brand to peaches, which I'll, I will get to, and I want to talk a little bit more about peaches because I love the vibe that you guys give off the cheekiness, the fun, the excitement. So I do want to get to that, but before we do get into sort of 
older Tori. I would love to start with younger Tori. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood and what your fondest memories are growing up? I I had a really very privileged childhood, um, you know, simply because of the fact that I was just very, very loved and I had a lot of fun. Um, I have an amazing set of parents um, and an older sister and a big extended family. Um, I was a very uh, sort of, uh, I was I guess I was the artistic child, the creative child. My sister is incredibly intelligent. Like I'm talking photographic memory levels of intelligence. Um, so I was always kind of labelled like, Tori's creative. <laughs> Um, which, you know, is me to a T. I was very um, big into imaginative play, big into physical and dramatic play, loved the arts, um, loved writing, um, definitely, you know, went through some pretty um, long drawn out periods of like imaginary friends and stuff that like, it might have gone too far, but my parents never made me feel weird about it. So I kind of always look back at that time and I think, man, mum and dad must have been like, when is she going to give this up? <laughs> but like, because they just kind of went with it and they were like, just let her play it out, do what she's going to do. Like I, I was never aware that I was unusual. Um, but like I literally used to, I, I've said this on a podcast before, I actually used to like insist um that people refer to me as Peter the bad boy. Um, I really wanted to be a boy when I was younger um, and I would really try to embody the physicality of a boy. I would walk around like stuffing my pants. People had to call me not only Peter but like in full Peter the bad boy and I would kind of wake up in the morning and sometimes I would be myself but sometimes I would wake up and I was Peter the bad boy and I would just sort of behave like a bad boy all all day. (laughs) My poor parents. What was the inspiration behind Peaches? Because you're in business with um, with Beck and your partner, Chris. What was the inspiration behind Peaches Pilates? Like what made you want to go out on your own as an instructor and as the founder? I think, um, first of all, just like a blind faith that it would work out, like just like, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Um, and um, I think that is really what any business founder needs to just take the dive. Um, But I really felt, particularly at the time in Bondi, there wasn't a space that was welcoming and warm when it came to fitness. It was all... um, And, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. Like we have girls coming in in crop tops taking selfies all the time in our studios and I freaking love it. I'm like, great, you know, talk about peaches. But it it was more that like I didn't feel like I could even attend a studio unless I was rake thin and comfortable in a crop top and could do a headstand and then post it on Instagram. It was very much elitist. And also I felt that all of the brands had a look and feel that was sort of – I guess sterile, like very much um, like performance, platinum. I don't all these words that kind of don't really resonate with me. And I was sort of like, well, why can't you have like a Pilates brand but make it creative and a Pilates brand but like make it fun, make it like a catch up with a girlfriend and like make it not about diet culture but actually about like having a beautiful pasta at the end of the day and a glass of wine but also you know, that's like my personal brand of fitness. Like I am not into restrictive 
dieting, I mean, for me, food is one of my greatest pleasures and it's my love language. And I think it's like literally the essence of life, which of course it is. Um, and I kind of was just really sick of this, like, this sort of like, it was like, if you're into fitness then you're gluten-free and you're dairy-free and you barely drink. And if you're not into fitness, then you're a party girl. And I was like, but can't we do both? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted something a little bit fun, a little bit cheeky, something that felt like it was me. So I just kind of went with it and and um, it turned out that people really liked that and that the, particularly when we first opened, the thing that I would just constantly hear was like, oh, my God, like I have been looking for a place like this. Like I didn't even know mm. that I could feel at home in a Pilates studio. I didn't even know that fitness could be something that I would be doing three mornings a week. Like I never mm. would have seen myself joining a gym before. And I guess one of my other questions, we'll get to the food part in a moment because I think it's it's really, really interesting. And I, I love that you say that because I think that synergy between being able to be active and be fit, but also to make sure that you don't restrict and deprive yourself is fundamentally beautiful to hear from people in the fitness industry because it goes against the grain of everything that we've heard for many decades. Um, why Pilates? What was it about Pilates that that inspired you to to get involved oh, in fitness it just works and it makes you feel so good it's it's the it, it's the fitness technique that I had been doing for a really long time I started as a young teenager going to Pilates with my mum up in Cairns we'd go on a Saturday morning together and it was a really special thing that that we would do um and you know if you strip it back to purely an, an aesthetic thing it it works it's it's particularly beneficial for the female body um, I had taken like a break from Pilates when I was working at MTV and I had joined this gym that was around the corner that everybody went to and I was like going to pump classes and the whole experience was just like horrifically stressful for me because you would you would go on your lunch break and you'd rush there and then like you'd get to the gym room and it was like a stress and a fight to like get through the people and get a mat and, and, and they never laid equipment out for you so you'd have to go and Get, get the equipment and then the class would begin and it was never like no one knew your name, no one gave a shit about you, no one cared about your form and it was lift heavier, go faster, boom, 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 boom and then get the fuck out. And that didn't actually help <laughs> my adrenal levels and, of course, lo and behold, what happened, I ended up with a lower back injury. Mm. Um, I had to spend a lot of time in physio. It was incredibly debilitating to the point where like sitting at my desk at my computer brought me to the point of tears a few times because sitting was so uncomfortable because the compression on my vertebrae was so intense. Um, I had a bulging disc, L4, L5, and naturally I went back to Pilates. And what I noticed was that A, uh, my injury uh, healed quickly, but B, a lot of my other niggles and aches and pains that I'd literally just almost decided that that was like me now dissipated. Like constant ache in my neck and shoulders, like a, a like a burning desire to have someone release and massage my shoulders every single day after work. Um, just things that I kind of forgot that you're not actually meant to feel like that all the time, particularly in your twenties, for fuck's sake. So anyway, I was like, oh my god, this is fucking amazing. Why did I stop doing this? And when I was doing these kind of more intense classes. Um, that A, didn't give any um, any focus to mental health and B, were kind of 
inflammatory. My, my body felt inflamed. I didn't feel long and lean and tall and strong. My core strength was non-existent. I just felt inflamed and puffy and I looked it. Um, and then when I got back into Pilates, it's like everything stretched and everything was longer and everything was tighter. And, you know, like I, we're often trying to distance ourselves from being a, a purely anesthetics brand. Like obviously that's not who, who Peaches is at the core of, of who we are. However, like at the end of the day, yes, like mm-hmm. Pilates does get you results. And I think that's okay. I think we're allowed to say, hey, like you can feel really good, but you know what? You can also look amazing too mm-hmm. um, because it's this funny it's this funny world fitness. There's either people who take it too far and it's all about how you look and all about restriction. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where we've got like the diet culture police banging on the door, mm. um, almost making you feel bad if you feel really stoked that you're more toned after committing to a few months of Pilates. And like, mm. you know what? We're human. Like mm-hmm. we're young women. We're, we're allowed to want to look good. I think we find this more as women as we get older is that, or even as people, as we get older, I don't just want to typecast this for women, but aesthetics become less important when your body starts to hurt for no reason. Like when you start to get aches and pains and when you start to feel that compression in your lower back and when your body doesn't move the same way that it did when it, when you were 21. And now I look back and I go, wow, I wish that I had put all of these sort of strategies in place when I was younger so that my body was in a better position now to be able to be well. Um, so that's – and I do want to touch on the food piece as well because I – if, if no one follows you on Instagram or if there are listeners that don't follow you on Instagram, please, please do because Tori every day posts regularly about the food that she's cooking and eating for your beautiful daughter, Isabella, and I'm assuming for Chris. I can imagine that you probably wouldn't just cook for yourself. Um, where Have you always had a love for food or has your relationship with food been something that you've had to work on over time? I think I've always had a love of food. I mean, I would say like certainly um, – you know, as a teenager, every girl goes through a stage of like kind of like hating their body. Um, but I've always had a pretty healthy relationship with that. And I would say that like my love of like the ceremony of food was definitely related to the way that I was raised. Like my dad would work really long hours and he often wouldn't be home until after eight at night, um, which for kids it's quite late to be eating dinner, but we never ate without him I mean I'm sure that when we were really little we did but my all of my memories are of us I would set the dinner table like that was my sister and I's job would set the table and every night we would sit down and eat together and I never really realized how important that was to me until later in life when I you know I got into a relationship with Chris even in our like um you know housemate house sharing days like loads of people in the house like Chris and I always ate together Mm. um and we'd always make a thing of sitting down and eating together and I think that that actually really helped like us gel because I don't know like it's it's such a simple thing but like I didn't realize like I I sort of saw all these other people and they would often not eat together and I'm like don't you want to eat together like isn't that important to you Mm. um and also my mum is a great cook and I just loved being with her in the kitchen, you know, like just those classic childhood. I mean, and and I think I, you know, the older I get, the more I realise that this isn't necessarily everyone's childhood. So I'm so privileged, but like the little things of like licking the spoon when your mum makes a chocolate cake, like Mm. helping her with dinner and all of that stuff. And it's, it's things now that I just love doing with my daughter and I, I can't wait for her to be that little bit older and she can help me more and, 
you know, I think it's really fundamental kind of stuff. Um, and I think it's really healthy to set the example to show Izzy every day we prepare food from scratch and we're going to make healthy food. And, you know, when she's older, we will sit down at the table and we will eat together because I think that putting that stuff, you know, kind of into their routines when they're early is so important. And, and I guess for me, like, I, I just find so much joy in like nourishing her. And I also want to say that like, you know, food might not be your thing. And the thing for you to nourish your child might be taking them to the beach every afternoon and jumping in the ocean, or it might be, you know, um, reading, you know, beautiful books with them. Like you don't have to, there's not one way to do it with your child. And like, of course, those are things that I love to do with Izzy as well. But for me, food is something where I really feel like that's one of my like biggest love languages and I just adore being able to nourish her and I get really excited when I make her something new and I'm like oh my god I wonder if she's gonna like this and sometimes she bloody throws it on the floor and it's like oh my god why did I bother Mm. um but um as she gets older and her um appetite increases you know it's just such a joy to watch it's such a joy I think that also the attachment to me creating beautiful food for my daughter is probably this weird way of me feeling like it's not healing, but I had set out in my head to exclusively breastfeed my daughter. She had a tongue tie. We had issues. And also, like, it doesn't fucking matter how you feed your baby. But I, of course, put all this pressure on myself to do it one way. And we ended up introducing formula sooner than I had planned. And it was this, it's it's a, literally a non-event. But at the time, it felt like a really huge deal to me. And I'm sure that there are going to be women and parents out there listening to this who felt the same way. Mm-hmm. So there's part of me now that feels like, this is, it's like another chance for me to like, I don't, does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. I don't know what it is. It's just like this opportunity for me to be the one creating the food for her. And maybe it didn't quite work out how I had planned with the breastfeeding. You know, I did it. I ended up doing it for a long time. It's feeding for ages. She only recently just went off the bloody boob. Um, I don't even know if she was getting milk by then. It was like a mm, comfort. comfort. It was yeah. like a closeness thing. But um. I do remember distinctly thinking when she can eat solids, that is going to be a healing time for me because I feel like almost like I'll I'll regain control over how I nourish my baby. Um, And I I think it's probably something that I didn't even have any understanding of the weight of it until I went through it myself. Um, Because as as a person who works with pregnant and postnatal women all the time, I'm also a doula, so I have worked very, very closely with women in the very fresh and vulnerable periods of their postnatal experience. And I have never, ever thought that people should put pressure on breastfeeding Mm. the way that they seem to do. And I have never said to someone, oh, you should never give your baby formula. I've always said you need to do what's right for you and you can do both. You can do neither. Like it it doesn't matter. You need to pick. But then when I went through it, all of the great advice I gave all Mm. these women before me went out the window and all I did was nitpick at myself and I I was trying so hard to be a perfectionist. And there are some things you just can't control. Can I ask you a question about that as well? Why, and this feeds in beautifully to motherhood, but why do you think that the pressure is so intense on mums? Because we know that it is and we know that dads aren't really held up to the same standard. Why, when you became a mum, did you notice that the pressure? I think that women lose their 
their humanity when they become mothers and they're meant to suddenly become a saint. A woman can't dress sexy. You're a mum now. Why would you wear that? Um, a woman can't, you know, like even, I don't know, like if someone wants to go out and like have a really nice time and have a bottle of wine, like a lot of women would be like, oh, I'm a mum now. Like should I be allowed to do that? Am I allowed to go out and like have a night out with my friends? I have struggled with with going away for a night. I mean, I'm literally about to do it this weekend. I've been away one night once before for work, but basically I haven't had a weekend off to myself and being away from my daughter. Mm. Why do I do that to myself? I don't know. It's like this kind of like Madonna syndrome where you, people become mothers and they're meant to be this like erythral, calm, you know, endless flowing fountain of patience and tranquility when at the end of the day they're just human and they've never done it before and you don't always feel 100% happy and patient all of the time. Um, But, you know, it's that classic thing of like Chris often, my husband jokes about this a lot, like he often would go for a walk with um, our little, particularly when Izzy was really tiny and she was like in the carrier and our dog, and he said, babe, I can't tell you how often people would stop and say, oh, super dad, oh, my God, you're amazing. He's like, I'm literally just going out for a walk. And he's like, has anyone ever called you super mum and you've just gone for a walk with Izzy? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no one has ever stopped and told me that I'm superhuman because I've taken a walk with my child. So there's definitely a disparity in terms of the expectations. Um, I don't know I don't know what it is other than it's like it's like they take away part of a woman's humanity and expect her to become saintly. It sounds like you've got a lot of really amazing strategies in place whether you've done them deliberately or not. But can you share is there one sort of non-negotiable mental health um a mental health non-negotiable that you have every day that keeps you sort of feeling really positive? Oh, look, the answer to this is not sexy and it's not revolutionary and it's not a fucking journal, although I'm sure journaling for some people is is wonderful and it's not looking at the sun and making a list of what I'm grateful for, which again is a very beautiful practice. For me, it is the complete basics of like sustaining life. It is nutritious food, moving my body, hydrating getting a decent amount of sleep but also I would probably say like I'm very very conscious of um when I say energy I mean like the energy that my husband and I bring into the space every day and the words that we use to each other it is so important and mm-hmm. you know it has been neither of us are very inclined to be moody or snappy. So I guess that is helpful, but like it is a conscious effort all the time to always speak to each other with love and kindness and respect. And we run a business together and we are parents together and we're married. Like there's, there's, there would be so many, and it doesn't mean you can't be frank. It's not like we're walking around and saying my, the petal of my flower, maybe please (laughs) make me a coffee or anything like that. Yeah, of course. Love and kindness and affection and it's every single day and I would never I would never use unkind words or give my husband the silent treatment because for me that that's just where the fuck is that going to get me um so I I think that is imperative but it's 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 as simple and as basic as getting up and and moving and seeing the daylight and then eating something that's good not opening a can of soda and 
eating some sugar-filled crap. And I know that that is so kind of like, oh, do we have to do it? But it's like, yes, you have to do it every single day. And Mm. when you don't, you notice. Mm. Um, And I think that I wish that there was like some kind of way that we could integrate those daily things into the lives of people who were really struggling in conjunction with other treatments because it worries me that that someone, you know, I've had lots of people in my life really close to me say that they have gone to to, to seek professional help when their mental health is is deteriorating. And no one has given them a plan of just a lifestyle plan, something that they can do forever, that they can do for free, that they can do by themselves. It's often prescriptions and, and things like that that <laughs> I don't know, like, is that going to address the root of the problem? Like again, I I don't know. I I'm probably not the right person to be able to comment on this because I have, um, I have good mental health, so I'm very much aware that it's like, well, what the fuck do you know? Mm. You know, like what what do I know? I, I'm I'm incredibly blessed. I'm I'm in a great relationship and, and I love my life. So what the hell can I say about that? Mm. Other than there are things that. I do each day and that I notice that I feel like shit when I don't do them. Yeah. And it it's just like I'm very disciplined with it because I know that if I don't, I don't feel good. And for me, a, a lot of like at the crux of like my good mental health is good energy. Mm, totally. Because for me, like I'm an energetic person and I feel good when I have energy and it really irritates me when I feel sluggish and when I don't feel like I want to inject myself into situations and how can I possibly expect to have good energy if I'm just pouring shit into my body and not moving it? It's just not going to work, right? Like, totally, it's like yeah. a cup. Like everything that you're saying doesn't feel like you've rehearsed it. It doesn't feel contrived. It feels like everything that comes from the heart. I think when you surround yourself with people who speak from the heart and live from a place of authenticity, that's going to inspire other people to do the same. And I often wonder you know, and this is definitely the case as you start to get older, is you look at who's in your circle. Like who are you surrounded by? The energy that you absorb, it's not just your partner, it's the people around you. Totally. And if there is someone around you who's not speaking kindly to you or not inspiring you and not lifting you up, get them out. But thank you so much for saying that because I don't, you know, like I really hope that it comes across as genuine when I say that like I'm not in a place to make a judgment about certain things because, you know, I'm in a – and, and that's today. You know, we don't yeah. know what's around the corner for me. Um, but, yeah, no, I hope it doesn't come across, yeah. Not at all, Tori, not at all. And I think sometimes, especially in the mental health space, is that people feel like they need to be an expert to talk about anything to do with mental health and all you're sharing is your experience. Like, what keeps you in a positive mental health place? Like... We can only oftentimes speak from our experience. You're just awesome. I can't wait to release this episode. Congratulations on the new baby and I hope to speak to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real privilege. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Episodes drop every Monday morning and you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on your favourite podcast app. Remember to take 10 and check on the man you love today.